Another great episode of Mystery of Parenthood coming up. If you like what you hear, go to redsearadio.org, click on the donate button, and become a monthly sustaining member. Please support us. Thank you, and God bless. All right, you do know what that means. You you are listening to the mystery of parenthood, and um, we'll start as we always do with our prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord God, from you every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. Father, you are love and life through your Son Jesus Christ, born of woman, and through the Holy Spirit, the fountain of divine charity. Grant that every family on earth may become for each successive generation a true shrine of life and love. Grant that your grace may guide the thoughts and actions of husbands and wives for the good of their families and of all the families in the world. Grant that the young may find in the family solid support for their human dignity and for their growth in truth and love. Grant that love, strengthened by the grace of the sacrament of marriage, may prove mightier than all the weaknesses and trials through which our families sometimes pass. Through the intercession of the Holy Family of Nazareth, grant that the Church may fruitfully carry out her worldwide mission in the family and through the family. We ask this of you, who is life, truth, and love with the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Holy Family of Nazareth, pray for us. St. John Paul II, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. We got a... Thaddeus found an article... Um, Oh, I need to turn my phone off. There's a little ESPN going there. So. <laughs> oh, we're not going to talk about that. that no, but, I don't need to talk about why uh, we would have ESPN on at reminders. this time. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know what's going on, mm-hmm. but I'll find out after the show. <laughs> so, <laughs> Oh, big words today, folks. We've got big words. Big words, but but I but I think it's simple. I think it it's part of what big many words for A big word for a simple concept. Right. I think that we, I think that, I remember in te- when I taught uh, First Communion for a number of my kids that sometimes I found that that talking about the Eucharist at such a young age, a lot of parents thought, well, that, you know, that's that's really too big for them to um, understand. And and this article kind of points to the fact that that actually there are studies and people like Montessori. Um, did studies with regard to the receptivity of particularly six to Mm nine-year-olds of seeing things much more, um, I don't know but clearly, but more definitively being able to capture or understand or interpret things if they were given the opportunity to do do that. In other words, the depth they can see. I'll, I'll give an example. I mean, you know, following my oldest son's um, first communion, there were a group of parents, and we came together. That's that's what Red Sea began as, as a group of parents and family members. So it was parents and all of their children, and we came together once a month um, and would um, gather, and we talked. It was focused on the sacraments, and trying to teach the science because as, as if you've listened to the show at all, <laughs> if you've ever heard me speak, cause it's one of the things that I think is lost, you know, that, that a sacrament is a visible or an outward sign of an invisible reality instituted by Christ to confer grace. And one of the, I've th- heard that once or twice, once or twice. And, and you know, as I've mentioned before, born and raised Catholic, Probably could name all seven sacraments at my at my worst, <laughs> but when I went to go get my master's in theology, I, I remember thinking, okay, what is the definition of a sacrament? And when when I when I heard those words, um, it stuck out to me. Is that what a professor gave you? Well, that's basically out of the. It's in the catechism. catechism. Okay. Not not the catechism. That's that's actually okay. in the catechism. It's one of the, one of the definitions of it. But that's um, but that's essentially the definition in the, in the catechism with a little bit of. Maybe not exactly, but but it but it is a 
visible sign. And, and you hear in the Mass, right, even in, in the profession of faith, right, at the beginning of a Sunday Mass, you know, that we believe in the visible and the invisible, right? Not, and those are the terms that are used frequently. And the, the invisible is typically linked. So sacrament tends to be linked with the outward sign. This is not exact, but when people talk about it, they're, they're, when they think about the Eucharist, the outward sign, it's wheat bread and grape wine, right? I mean, those are the, those are the, those are the outward signs, the visible signs, the tangible signs, the invisible reality is what it's tapping into because it's, it is not just a sign. It makes present that which is invisible. And so I always thought from way back that, that the younger you could teach children the signs and then allow them to contemplate prayerfully especially since they've been baptized, they have the Holy Spirit in them, that, that they, they could actually make that real to themselves. They could, they, could, they could take it in. So, I mean, I remember we, we did, I've, I've mentioned this before, but when Father Mike Sis, now Bishop Mike Sis, was here, I went to him and I said, hey, do you think, well, this is what we're talking about doing, we're, we're going to take, what does it take to make wheat bread? And we're going to teach them what it takes to make wheat bread from the planting of the wheat to the harvesting, to the separating from the, of the wheat from the chaff, to the grinding of the wheat, to the mixing it with water, to the cooking it, to it being ready. Um, and he allowed us, he gave us, each family gave, was given the Eucharistic bread proper because it has to be made a certain way. And what, that's what he allowed us to do. We did it, and and prior to our meeting, we we each cooked. We brought it, broke it up, and and at mass, he consecrated those hosts that were you know looked like big pieces of relatively flat bread, a little thicker, um, not as flat as you know as we as we get to have the wafer wafer thin, mm-hmm. um, but more like a a, a flat bread. And um, and we came back and we talked and we showed we we had, we 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 showed videos of what happens when it gets harvested, you know how it gets planted. We actually brought a grinder in to grind up the wheat. Um, we did all of those things. And what I was what I thought would happen, and what this article actually speaks to, is I would just ask them to break up in groups and say, well, what you know, given the fact that this is. A, a sign that was given to us by Jesus, but there's a, invisible realities. What could those, what could it mean? What, sure. Knowing what it has, because what, what struck me, and this is actually why we did it. Most people, when they eat bread today, all they see is they go and they pick up a Mrs. Baird's or an HEB or a Kroger <laughs> bag of bread. They don't, most people don't see it made. But the people who he was handing this off to two millennia ago would have been very familiar, probably was being made in their houses as they spoke, mm-hmm. that that our kids were not as familiar with the process of what making bread looked like from start to finish. Mm-hmm. And I was amazed when opened up and they talked, and, and oftentimes it was the younger kids, which makes that they would come up with things like, you know, well, what does the crushing of the wheat stand for. And, you know, I, you know, a six or seven year old say, well, that's the pain and suffering that Jesus went through, you know, and then I would extend it to, well, that's, that's also our pain and suffering. What do you think about the heat and the transformation of, of it from just this flat thing to what looks like bread, the mixing of water, they'd bring up, well, maybe that's like baptism, you know, all the different things. I was amazed at what they were able to, to come up with. Um, and all of it, I mean, you, you know, as you teach it, you might have to correct or redirect, but most of the time it was amazing to me that the young ones were able to understand that. And then we have to help make connections and repeat that, that, well, it's, it's ours together. But even how does wheat made? It takes people, you know, it takes a person to 
plant the wheat to raise it, to harvest it, then it's got to go to a mill <laughs> and be ground up. And we talked about all the different people involved in in that. And and also importantly, in order for that bread to be made, the wheat has to die. Right. The wheat has to it has to die. I mean, there there. It's a perfect sign when you when you actually take it in, you know, the fact that a bunch of different people from different backgrounds had to it's the work of human hands, which is sometimes you don't ever hear it as much anymore. But when when the offering at the Eucharistic prayer, you know, the work of human hands, the fruit of the vine mm-hmm. for the for the wine that's going to be consecrated kind of points back to the fact that it's all these different people and all these different areas of expertise have to all work together for it to actually come out as the final product. And that that speaks to the body of Christ as a whole. There's so much richness. There's so much depth to it. But I think that part of the understanding of the sign, you know, is in, in delving into it. And I think there was a line at the very end of this article, which I think should be, because this is focused on on pretty much just the Eucharist, but at the very end of the article, there's this line that um, he's quoting. I guess I can't remember who Cavaletti word. I think that was one of the people who developed. Yeah, maybe developed the um, this particular catechism um, for teaching First Communion, but. This is the quote. It says, all that God has ever done for our salvation, all that he is doing now and all that he will ever do is in some way symbolized in the Eucharist. Mm. There's so much depth there. And what this primary article, this article is saying is that the time to teach it, the time to um, be passing on this mystagogy, mystagogy is... That was the big word. Uh, that I was, was the big I was word. You got a de- de- definition. Um, yes, up at the beginning of the article. Yeah. Um, oh, I'm missing. This it. is uh, from Gerard O'Shea in Autoramus Bulletin from the. That's the newsletter of the Liturgical Institute. Uh, this is even children know the nature of mystagogy. How early education in liturgy and scriptures can reveal a lifetime of faith, and. He says that the church had a word for this process of connecting the liturgy with the scriptures through um, sensitive or material means called mystagogy. It was the principal means by which the early church had inducted new Christians into the faith. Right, and and he he makes and he uses Pope Benedict's 2007 apostolic exhortation calling for the mystic for the renewal of mystagogy and yeah. he, and says that Pope Benedict uh, encouraged us to and this is a quote be personally conformed to the mystery being celebrated offering one's life to God in unity with the sacrament I mean the sacrifice of Christ for the salvation of the whole world that's something we taught we we so ways that we did that were Linking everyday life, I think I've mentioned this before, and we got permission from our priest. We didn't do this. We didn't do this on our own. But even when they were younger, before they ever received, we would have them make little pieces of paper, and they would they could talk about things that they struggled with, or things that they um, helped other people with, or things that they had done during the previous week and write them down. And we would connect the fact that we're offering money, but the the money is the, basically what the work that we've done. Mm-hmm. And while you may not have money, you do have something to offer. And, and so you helping your little sister clean up a room or helping mom with the dishes or anything like that. So to give them the idea that that, that offering look what happens. It goes out to all the church, the baskets get passed and we put those things in. We put the money in there, but we put what we've done. We used to always say, you want to put your whole self in there. I mean, figuratively, you want to, you want to put your, and that's just a representation of something of a piece of who you are that you're offering to be brought to the altar Mm -hmm. 
to be basically placed on that patent and to be turned into the body, blood, and soul, and soul and divinity of Christ. So there's so many ways in the liturgy, and that's what this is talking about, that we that we do that and uh, that we're meant to do that. I've, I just lost the... Uh, and he has an, another definition here from, from Sacramentum Caritatis, the ex- apostolic exhortation you're talking about from Pope Benedict XVI, 2005, he notes that in paragraph 64 of that text, it gives the essentials of mystagogy, which are one, it interprets the liturgical rites in light of the events of our salvation. Mystagogical catechesis, this is number two, must be concerned with presenting the meaning of the signs contained in the rites. And then three, Mystagogical catechesis is concerned with bringing out the significance of the rites for the Christian life in all its dimensions. So, right. so kind of connecting the connecting the rites to the salvation history. What are telling what the meaning of the signs are, and then how do these Connect. how do these connections to the salvation history and the meaning of the signs? What's that? What's that mean for my for my life? Right, for and, my life in Christ. Right, and and he makes a point after talking about how that we, Pope Benedict says that we have to be personally, you know, working to be personally conformed to this mystery, and offering one's life, and that that's part of what we should be doing with even young kids is is helping them understand that that's a participation. You're giving yourself together with Christ to the Father in in the Mass. He said, and I think this is true. Without this personal participation without an you know conscious active I'm giving myself to you I'm giving what I did for somebody else to you I'm giving what I suffered this week for you or to you all those things he said without that personal participation there's a risk that the liturgy will fall into a kind of superficial ritualism mm-hmm. and I think most people who end up leaving the church that were many don't recognize what is going on in the mass primarily because they haven't connected the signs and they certainly haven't connected those signs to their own life. And that's so critical. And what it says in this article is that the time, the best time to do that, the most effective time to do it is for children between the ages of six and nine. So six would be prior to first communion, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Nine, is about the time that they would have it. So leading up to that. So what I'm challenging parents out there to, to realize is that the preparation for um, a proper understanding of the Eucharist at their first communion, if they're receiving their first communion at, say, nine years old, um, I think that's about the age, roughly eight or nine, is something that we can do to help them understand what's happening when the offering comes out right after the after the homily, after we profess our faith, the offering comes and everything is brought to the table, and we're meant to place ourselves in that basket, mm-hmm. <laughs> and 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 be brought up to the altar to be offered together with Jesus uh, on that on that altar to the Father as an acceptable sacrifice. And so, again, for. The first part of the church, and really, it should have been, it should be for for now going forward, and from for all time prior to this, the liturgy has been used as the primary teaching tool of of the church. So, as parents, it's critical for us to realize that kids are able, and and it's backed up by by some of the studies here, and actually some anecdotal, I guess, situations that are kind of communicated, um, that they do that. And one of the things that they suggest is, and we used to do this, that, you know, we used to get the, a chalice, a, you could order the, I forget where you can order, but you used to be able to order, you know, the vestments for the kids to wear and, and all of that. Uh, and, and we could pretend you know, uh, to say the word, I mean, to say the words that are said and just that participation also is an effective way to get them thinking and have, 
you know, have some, you know, I don't know if it's fun. They're learning. I, it is fun. I think they, they, the kids I remember enjoy, we have pictures of our, you know, the boys dressed up as the priest sitting around, you know, a table and, and talking about, you know, and trying to mimic or go through that. And I think what this article talks about at length is that those type of tactile um, participation and awareness of what's going on. I think there was a pretty cool um, example uh, that they talk about that they showed a, a young boy that, you know, the talked about the wine and then the dropping of the water into the, into the wine prior yeah, that was great. And and what he says, yeah, and they were walking through it, and he said, and and without ever being taught it, but hearing the words, which they which they you know by the mystery of this water wine, where where is that? I lost that. Quote. Well, he he's pouring pouring water and wine into the chalice that he right. he does that, and he liked he liked doing that. And they did, and they use the words that are said. Sometimes you'll hear the priest say them out loud, mm-hmm. but but um, yeah, it says it's by the mystery of this water and wine may we come to share in the divinity of the divinity of Christ who humbled himself to share in our humanity. And just saying those words and doing that action, this young kid was able to say, "You know, I need to lose my. We need to lose ourselves in, in Jesus. Jesus." You yeah. know. Um, which actually I'd never heard that before, but it's a great understanding. That's yes. why, the, why, why Jesus has given us these physical, these outward signs to express an invisible reality. Cause I've always thought of it as uh, those are all of our offerings and that's, you know, the magnitude of all of the offerings of all Christians forward. Jesus is the main reason and his, that cup, which is full, you drop a little bit of water in it if you didn't see him drop the water in it, you probably would never even know that the water was in there, but it, and it all kind of looks and remains visibly the same. Uh, um, and he's, he yeah. says that the, the principal mystery being conveyed through the mixing of the water and, and the wine and the words by the mystery of this water and wine, may we be right. May we come to share in the divinity of Christ who humbled himself to share in our humanity is the, Hypostatic union, Christ's divinity and humanity mystically joined together. Right, and it becomes, it looks like one. I mean, it's it's not the same, and that's another way of teaching. Hypostatic union means that there are two f- complete and total natures that have been joined in the person of Christ. He's 100% divine, 100% God. He's 100% human, like us in every way right. except for Sin. And he goes on to say, if the divine nature can be united to a human nature, then our human nature can be united to the divine nature. Right. Which is, which is exactly what the, what the, what the line says, you know, that asking, may we come to share in the divinity of Christ who humbled himself to share in our humanity. And there's such a depth of theology there that the simple sign that's done, that, that, that simple thing that's brought and done every time at mass <laughs> is something that we can point out to our children. And like I said, you could, you could even like they did with this young person, you know, if you had a glass, a glass of, of red wine, it doesn't have to, it has to be grape wine. You can talk about all the different things with regard to that, but with regard to the fact, well, what happens if I drop this little drop of water? Does it change? Well, it's changed a little bit. <laughs> But but it hasn't hasn't changed what it is, and it points to the fact that it's Jesus that's offering, and He's allowing us to share in that offering. That that, that all of our offerings that we put in that basket, for example, that go up there are represented by that drop of water that goes in there, and then that wine. Now with this with these other offerings that we've brought to Him are now offered. To God the Father, um, in the perfect offering. So, there. I mean, like I said, th- th- this is something that I think that we may miss if we think that they're too young to understand. We don't have to do a lot of. He t- he goes to great lengths to saying that most teachers are taught. Disc- is it discursive? I think that's what he talks about. Where you're 
teaching and repeating and making sure you can recite it back, which is good. I mean, he, he, he goes to great lengths to say that's not a bad thing. But at the age that they are, they, they can look at wine and water and pick up things that maybe our words might go over their head, <laughs> right? I mean, they can see what actually happens with that. They can see how the bread is made. They can, you know, they can see, like when we did it, when, when, when that's how we, we talk to the kids about it. When we're making this bread, we should be thinking about putting all of ourselves into that bread. We're, we're, all the, the work that we're doing as a family to mix it, to get the water, to turn on the oven, to cook it, represents all the stuff that we do every day and that we're offering that as, a, as an offering that when the priest takes it, it all of a sudden becomes transformed into the body, transubstantiated into the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ. Well, they can kind of understand that when they see how it's made. It's something tangible. It's something real. It's something that they can understand, even if they may not be able to articulate. I mean, you, you might be able to teach them the hypostatic union is the the union between the two natures of Christ. That would be discursive, right? Mm-hmm. But they may not. That may mean nothing to them or very little. And they still should know that. But the reality is, is that the, he's given us these sacraments, these signs that are meant to teach something to us about everything, about how, how we belong, how do we offer it, what has Jesus done for us, those type of things. So we, we need to teach discursively, but at the same time when they're younger, we need to, especially between six and nine, according to this article, we need to be giving them the opportunity to kind of look at what those signs are. Um, and the entire mass becomes something that's alive at that point, at that point, if we give them the opportunity to understand that. And now, you know, not every priest is going to allow you to do that, but you could make the bread, right? Uh, you could, just by making the bread, you could learn that there's no, in ours, there's no yeast involved. It has to be wheat. A certain type, you know, what has to be particular, I mean, it's got to be water. The wine has to be a particular type of wine. We didn't, we didn't, that would have been too hard to do. We couldn't have done that. Um, but we could do the bread and allow them to kind of um, just see the sign and what it constitutes and begin to, to prayerfully understand, well, what could that mean? What What's a possible understanding you might be amazed at what young kids will come up with yeah i think what we're we're hitting on here is always uh, um, as parents right um really training ourselves and always trying to understand better what the signs of the mass mean um and then looking for for ways and and moments to link those signs to the episodes of salvation history. Right. And then using those to then help, help our children understand. So what is, what that, what that means for, for your life and for your relationship with Christ and for your membership in the body of Christ and in the church. Right. Right. And they, he, he does make mention of one episode, which is the transfiguration um, and the fact that they see the divinity of Christ kind of revealed in his humanity when they go to the, the top of the mountain and, and he becomes white, you know, mm-hmm. and, and pure. And that, that, that bringing together is seen in that moment. And that is tied to what happens after the words of consecration, right? That that's there. One of the ones that he doesn't mention here, what, which I think is really important is to take, say, John 6 about the bread of life discourse when they're referring to Moses, you know, fed the, gave, got manna in the desert for them, the bread mm-hmm. of life. And he said, well, they died that, but if you eat this and do that, well, then to go back and reread what happened in the desert, what is manna? Mm-hmm. And manna is, what is it? I mean, that's what the word literally means yeah. is what... <laughs> 
they don't know what it is. Right. They know that it feeds them. Right. It keeps them alive. It's their it's their only food for a good majority of the time in the desert. And it, and it feeds them. And the link that, because Jesus links it in, in the scriptures in John 6, particularly that this he's the bread of life, not the bread, the manna that Jesus that gave. But there's that link between the manna and there. And if you think about it, they had no food. They'd, they'd been delivered from Egypt, right? And they're in the desert wandering, trying to get to the promised land. And to, to help them, well, what could that mean? You know, what, 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 if he's making that link between, um, if he's making that link between what Moses did in the desert, providing them what God did through Moses in the desert, providing them with manna, and they're in the desert, but they've been freed from Egypt, how could that translate into our own lives, right? Well, Jesus is the sust- our sustenance. He's the mm-hmm. primary sustenance for for us living. That that the that life is often like a desert. There's not not always everything that you want or everything that you need, but that God's going to provide you everything that you need in what looks like a piece of bread. What is it? It's actually who is it? Is another way to teach the kids. It's Jesus. And so, as I've said before, if you take the time early on, and, and we we always like to have the kids up as close as, or at least where they can see. So at St. Mary's, you know, there's an upper, there's an upper deck, so to speak. You know, we could, you can do it there. We were crazy enough to kind of bring them up to the front of the, front of the, um, usually the front row. Um, that takes a little bit of <laughs> uh, courage and and some humility when kids misbehave, which, uh-huh. which it happens. Happens frequently. Um, that you can that you bring them up there after you've kind of taught them and and have them actively. You'd be asking them, well, so listen for some words that you might either not understand or do you see what that means or whatever. And I I love to see um, when. I've heard, in fact, recently I heard again, I heard a, a child saying Jesus when, when the priest held up the host. I mean, I heard, I actually heard, yeah. wow. heard a kid, you could hear him say it, um, Jesus. And so there you have somebody teaching. But again, how do you understand that? Um, a lot of people, a lot of parents that I remember when we taught would would say, well, how can they understand that? I'm like, how can how can you and I understand that? It's a matter of of it's a matter of faith that you need to teach your kids that there there is Jesus after the consecration, there he is yeah, under a sign, and then when we link that to a teaching on the sign, that that's um, that's so important for them to do it and to do it over and over again to remind them over and over again that. Jesus is the one that gave us the sign. Jesus is the one who's doing all this. And so, anyway, um, what else? They they also talk. He also brought up in addition, you know, the the to the transfiguration, uh, talking about the epiclesis and the consecration of the one. So when the when the priest um, says, "This is my body, uh, given for you," that at that moment that what looks like a piece of bread or a, or a, a cracker or whatever you want to say, a piece of bread is now Jesus's body, blood, soul, and divinity. And that when he says, this is the chalice of my blood, it becomes Jesus's body, blood, soul, and divinity. There's so many things that you can, that you can teach with regard to that. But that moment when they call, when the priest calls down the Holy Spirit, called the Epiclesis, is when he says, "Make holy, therefore, these gifts." We pray, and so it's important to point out what are these gifts. Well, the gift is the gifts are all the things that we placed on that patent. You know, all of, all the things that we've given. So, for me, I had a, I had a teacher one time that that I remember telling me, you know and place yourself on there, but all the gifts that God's given you, well, the greatest of those gifts, uh, my wife and my children, you know, <laughs> I'll place them in in the chalice. You know, I'll, I'll actively in my mind say, I want 
to give them to the extent that I can. They've got to do it themselves, but that I want to give them and their future to you as well. So make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, the priest will say, by sending your spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. So you, you get a clearly explain what's happening here. The Holy Spirit is made present by this calling down, by this liturgical action. And in the Eucharist, in the Eucharist Christ is not made present, however, until the words of consecration are spoken. Okay. So um, just point out, it's like I said, we used to talk about to our kids about the fact, well, so when does it happen? You know, and even go through the fact that it's th- those words and the priest speaking over those gifts, the, the bread and the wine, that this is my body, this is my blood, is when actually it changes, which can be hard because, because when they understand that, if they're younger, that's when you might hear a Jesus, which mm-hmm. some, I've, had, I've had a family uh, apologize to us for, our, for the kids saying, I'm like, no, man, that is... More people need to hear somebody say, "There's okay, Jesus is there now," mm-hmm. and to understand when that is. We've had a couple of our kids do do that as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. so you you that that's a good thing. Um, but they link that to the Annunciation. So when the when the Gabriel, yeah, I was not expecting this connection. I, thought that I was wasn't really either, but it's pretty. Connection. It's really cool because it's when you know when the Gabriel angel asks uh, Mary to be the mother of God, her response is not an immediate yes, but how shall this be? And how shall it be? So if you think about it, the bread and the wine are up there. How shall this be? Well, Mary's told when she's about to have Jesus come into existence um, in her womb, the the angel says that is told that the Holy Spirit will overshadow her. And she then speaks the words that need to cooperate with the action of God. So right. that's, Basically, basically, amen is effectively saying that. So when we receive this is, you know, the body of Christ, the blood of Christ, which we don't see as much anymore. But but when we say amen, it's but so be it. I mean, they're basically let it be <laughs> so. And uh, also is the, the point being made, too, that just as in the episode of the Annunciation, when the when the priest has the elements, the Holy Spirit is overshadowing him on the altar. Right. And he's saying the the necessary words right. to af- affect that that change, affect that action. Just just the way that she spoke those words and, and consented to the Holy Spirit conceiving right. Christ in her womb, right? Right. My, yeah. Okay. yeah, absolutely. I, I just wouldn't have I mean I can't wait to bring that into my uh mystagogical catechesis with my with my family. Right. No, I mean because I, mean, I would not I have not I've never made that connection, but it is it is very very poignant. And that's the way that's the way it's, it's a, a lovely it's a lovely it's, episode to, to illustrate what's going on during the mass. It's a and that that it's when when it when it's asked, said yes, you know, this will happen that God will honor that by mm-hmm. making something happen that it's hard to understand a, a mother becoming a mother through divine intervention, mm-hmm. um, not not the normal course of things. Right. Same thing, bread and wine become something out of the ordinary simply by the calling of the Holy Spirit and and the priest. He does make the point that it's important that we that we also talk to and it speaks to the sacraments as well, that only somebody with holy orders is able to actually have that occur. So we can mimic those things, but it's important to point out that just because dad says it or because you say it at practice, you know, if they're if they're dressed up as a priest and you get them something that they can use as bread, or even if it was bread, that they, that they can't consecrate it. It's right. something else that's going on here, that it's Christ. In person, in his person, through through the person of the of the uh, priest, is making that happen. So there's so many ways of being able to teach that. And then the, here's here's one that that they bring up that I think is um, isn't. Can I stop you there? Yeah, I mean that's also a fascinating way 
to talk about God wants us to cooperate with him in bringing about his plan of salvation, right? 100%. He doesn't just, you know, make things happen um, magically or make things happen through us or uh, against our will. He he actually wants human cooperation to bring about his plan of salvation. And you can see that in, in um, because like what you said, it's not, um, you can't just have the human being who's who's got the right vestments on and has the, the elements and is performing the right actions and saying the words, There's that's not else. sufficient. But God is also not confecting the Eucharist without the cooperation of the human being, the words spoken by the human being who's wearing the correct vestments, who's been ordained, 100%. and has the correct elements. So and it's, it's and a great... It's a great illustration of that. Right. And the the entirety of the Mass is that, because our offering ourselves with all of our sufferings and all of those things, again, you know, I'll throw out one of my favorite verses, Colossians 124, I rejoice now in my sufferings for, I complete what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ for the sake of his body, the church. That, That line that there's something that we... Not necessarily add, but something that we cooperate with mm-hmm. in terms of bringing out. So the way to wh- what does that look like? So the priest is doing what he's called to do in that moment, mm-hmm. but we're meant to be active participants by offering our entire selves. But that it is made in our acts of charity towards our younger brothers, older sisters, parents, people we run into on the street are all ways of exactly what you're saying. He's bringing about his plan of salvation through us. Mm-hmm. And it's represented, represented in the perfect offering of the, of the one who sat, who sacrificed himself for the sake of the father and for, for us yep. in a way that says we're involved too, not because God had to do it that way, but because God wants to do it that way. Yeah. So it's not just, it, I mean, certainly it's culmination is in that moment, but it's represented in the entire mass by even the offering of the whole body of Christ that's there. And I think that that's important to point to. <laughs> and that sort of links to the um, notion of the Catholic both and, right? So it's right. not an either or proposition. It's not either divine action or human initiative, let's say. It's both of those acting in concert. Right, together. and God, God can do something by His own divine action. He of can, course, of course, He's capable. But, but His normal, His normal way of operating. I mean, even if you look at the Bible, He wills it to. Jesus didn't sit down and say, "Okay, this is what I want written." Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit worked th- with the people who wrote that, but th- they're people. He didn't leave like here are the instructions. Mm-hmm. I mean, He didn't say, "Okay, y'all take notes." <laughs> Right, he and may the, have he may have written the Ten Commandments with his finger, finger, right? But he did not do that with the with the scripture, right? And so he's entrusted. It's part of the the, the mystery of how can he choose to use sinful us mm-hmm. or other sinful people? Well, because he's God, and that's part of his plan. And that's something we can communicate to our kids. That's what's happening. So when you did something kind to your for your sister when you helped or for your brother helped them with homework or whatever, you can offer that together with Jesus's perfect offering on the sacrifice by offering it and by putting it in on the patent, by putting it in your mind, I place this in my, in the collection basket, it's brought up there. And all of a sudden that little thing, that little seemingly little thing becomes something of magnitude, not because it by itself is it, but because it's being offered out of love for Jesus and love for the father as a sacrifice for that. Exactly. And, and that's the link between the sacrifice, the perfect once for all sacrifice of Christ that he made 2000 plus years ago on the cross at Calvary that he, that's why we can rejoice in our sufferings and our challenges or whatever, because we complete what is lacking. Not because the what he did on the cross had anything lacking. Nothing's lacking. 
It's that he's all opened himself up for us to join in that sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And that's what the mass is. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you can get, not get excited about it. Well, I, and I think th- that's what the mass is. Brings me to this, um, this line I thought was, was very interesting. He writes about how there, we have a scriptural or we have scriptural accounts of the death and resurrection of Christ. Right. But then he uses the term, we have a liturgical account of the death and resurrection. I've never thought of the mass being a, I mean, I, I see that, but I've never thought about it as, oh, this is a liturgical account of his death and resurrection. Right. And we need to, he says, we need to be continually linking those. Right. It's a representation of what happened on the cross. In fact, the signs, he talks about this, this offering uh, to the father, you know, to the father and the death of and resurrection of Christ are kind of all linked together that have them listen to the prayers. It's all being offered to the father through the son in the Holy spirit. So we're, we're joining together with Christ and his perfect offering made once for all in time, but made present again, represented in actuality, Mm -hmm. that invisible reality is made present there is, is offered. But, but the signs communicate to that. Cause I mean, one of the ones that they use here is when the, after it's been broken, he'll, the priest will break off a, a piece of the consecrated host and drop it into the blood. Well, first off, if the if a body and and its blood are separated, what does that represent? I mean, if you don't have any more blood, death, you're dead, right? You have to have blood to live, and so again, there's a sign there that he died, but then the bringing back together and and bringing that piece of that consecrated host of what represents the body, even though body, blood, soul, and divinity are completely and wholly made present in any portion of what we receive in the Eucharist after it's mm-hmm. been consecrated, he drops it in. That sign is a sign of that reunification of body and blood, which points to the resurrection, the resurrection that he's now alive. And so there's so many little signs that we see every day that if we don't make help make those connections for ourselves and for our children, then what happens is it becomes well, you know, that's just what he does. You know, everything in the mass is meant, is there for a teaching opportunity. There's mm-hmm. something there. There's also a way in which the mass is a, is a liturgical account of his, of his life on earth in that the liturgy of the word, right, right. is maybe it's representative of his ministry, right. his teaching ministry, and then the liturgy of the Eucharist is his his passion, death, and resurrection, the, the culmination of his, I think that makes sense. Of his time yeah. on earth. But, but so I've, every mass were led through that, that, that's life cycle. Exactly. And I mean, even the mass, the way it starts, you start off with the confitore, you know, that we're sinners, mm-hmm. we're here. You start off at the very beginning when you walk in and cross yourself, that you're rem- reminding yourself of, I've been baptized. You're right. reminding yourself of the fact that why am I even able to be able to be here is because of what Jesus did on the cross. Right. And that we're made part of God's family. <laughs> we're made participants in his act of salvation by saying we're in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So everything there, that's a prayer when we do it. We don't just do it quickly, you know, like some baseball players do. Not that that's bad, <laughs> but, but you, you see the real quick crosses of yourself. Oh. So, but, but, um, or we don't or how, how children do it like that before, before dinner or anytime it feels like. Right. So, so but, but so again, but you, but you talk to them about what that represents and that that's the entrance and you still are a sinner when you walk in there. And you call to mind your sins and because you're about to be in the presence of Christ. First, you're going to hear his words, and then you're actually going to receive him bodily, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist for the sake of doing what? Going back out. You know, the Mass comes from Ida Missa Est, the bad pronunciation. Pronunci. <laughs> pronunciation. But, but being, it is sent. Well, what is sent? The body of Christ is being sent out back, in, back into the world to bring him 
to the world. How do we do that? We do that through those actions, which we do the week coming out, or acts of kindness, or acts of of encouragement, or acts of service, or acts of sacrifice, or sufferings, all those type of things. We go back out, and then we come back again to Mass, and we offer those things all back on the Patton, and that's the way we do, and we receive as in the the manna in the desert, we receive Jesus as our sustenance, as our way to have strength to do what we must do going forward because we become one with him in a, in a very intimate and special way. So anyway, I, I, I think that, I think the other thing is just the, the understanding of that we're completing what is lacking and we're offering ourselves together with Jesus to the Father. And because of that, like the wine, you can't tell the difference. Jesus takes us into him and all those actions that we've done, all those things that we've done, our entire selves. And he, together with him, offers, you know, these are my, these are my people. These are your people who, are, who have done what they've done. Because if you do a ki- an act of kindness, that can be good. But if, but if it's not united— <laughs> with the one sacrifice that makes everything meaningful. Right. Um, then it's not, we can't earn our way to, to salvation. We have to bring what we have to the act that gained us our salvation, to right. the person. Jesus is that us. bridge. Jesus Je- makes that connection. Jesus is the only, is the only he's divinity. the way, he's the truth, and he's the life. So, so to, to reiterate, so there are signs in the Mass that connect them to salvation history, um, show how the signs are, um, how they connect to our own lives and practice that mystagogy in your, in your families. Right. And, re- and just remind, you know, um, I, I used to say, you know, we're, we're actively think about what you're offering <laughs> to the, to the father, uh, to Jesus. But anyway, we've come to an end. Remember, pray, a parent with a purpose and prepare for God to amaze you. It's amazing we finished. But God bless you guys and pray for us. We'll be praying for you. Bye.